This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues that shape our lives with your guides, Dr. Matthew Jacoby and DJ Payne. It's just an automatic. Why the coughing? You're not allowed to be coughing right now. I know. You're going to... Is that a dry You're going to drive cough? me out. Is it's, that a dry it's, cough? It's a pre- prepare to talk uh, cough. <laughs> Clearing uh, my throat talk. It's, uh, Don't panic. I'm not panicking. I'm not you panicking. Are, I can tell you're panicking. I'm just going to put a face mask on over here. It's DJ Payne here. Uh, you're listening to Thrive Perspectives, episode four, and sitting opposite me here in our slightly getting closer to having something studio uh, is Matthew Jacoby. How are you, Matt? I am well. Good. Yes. Even the coughing. You, yeah, even despite the... uh, clearing my throat, I'm well. <laughs> um, well. Well, we thought on this, I mean, we're still early days on uh, Thrive Perspectives, and uh, but we thought that we would do something on this episode about the dreaded C word or C yeah. words, coronavirus, COVID-19. Yeah, some people might switch off here because be totally sick of hearing about it. I, I, and I would be one of them, but, but trust me, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. that. That's, you know, we look, the, the idea being, I, I, I've gotten a lot of questions about this period of time we're living in right now. Yeah. And I'm sure you as a pastor mm. have got a lot of questions uh, from the congregation. Um, and, you know, my job is a, 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 on the radio, I'm getting a lot of opinions being thrown at me, a lot of, perspectives thrown at mm. me here with with this whole thing uh everything from people uh melting down with fear mm. uh to people really panicking people believing well this is the book of revelation here we go this is mm. the end times to uh you know conspiracy theories to every, you know you name the gamut of reactions i've got it all at the radio station yeah i'm so sure I, you have yeah so i thought it would be interesting to sit down together and you and i can Nut out what is the Christian worldview, what is the Christian perspective that we should mm. have during this time? Yeah, because we're and, and I think it's important to say we're not we're not qualified to speak oh. to the actual uh, disease itself or anything like that. No, um, it's been interesting, uh, observing how these circumstances have a tendency to bring out both the best and the worst in people. I've seen, uh, I've seen the worst in terms of people sort of going out hoarding. Shutting up at home, saying, "Well, I'm fine. Yep. I'll be right. Don't know about the rest of uh, humanity, but uh, you know, I've got what I want." And then I've you know seen and heard of some amazing acts of generosity and people looking out for other people. Mm. Uh, times like these do have a, a way of polarizing people. That's, uh, that's historically theme. that's mm. historically true. Actually, mm. um, d- difficult times have had that kind of effect they have a polarizing tendency and i think it's worth being aware of that because we need to decide as we go through this period of uncertainty it's going to have a polarizing effect on all of us which side of the polarization are we going to be how are we going to respond and we need to consider that and choose to take the best it's like you know Trust God and do the right thing. Yeah. Okay. This is good. That's a good. That's a good. Mm. That's a good foundation to lay as we start this conversation. And um, I think you know we'll we'll go first off. It's important to say that we're recording this on March the twenty sixth because we don't know what's going to happen next. All of a sudden, there could yeah, be yeah. a further yeah, lockdown. Tonight, there could be some other news or exactly. something. Yeah. Uh, so at the moment, we've got uh, all non-essential services are locked down. A lot of restaurants, small businesses are closed. Clothing closing. Uh, there are markets going up and down every day. The financial markets, different countries are having all different responses to it at the moment, mm. and um, we're sort of we all feel like we're on a bit of a roller coaster. Like what's yeah. what's going to yeah. happen? And particularly, next? Uh, particularly as someone who owns a small business, I mean, I, I um, you know, it, it it really is uncertain. It really is uncertain times. You think mm. are we are we even going to survive this? Mm. And there are business owners 
all over the world yep. actually in that same oh, 100%. Uh, in that same place uh, the fact that everyone is in the same situation is mildly comforting in a funny sort of way yeah uh, but it is we you know we're facing a global you know global situation now it's interesting a couple of perspectives that uh, for me in the midst of this first of all I think it's brought to the surface how, and I spoke to this actually last Sunday. We did our online service for churches, many the f- churches. The first yep. online streaming, which service. was a strange experience. Let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really um, am used to a group of people standing in front of me, and I'm very intuitive. Yeah. And and when I speak to people, I'm speaking to those people, and yeah. very much um, working intuitively off the feeling in in the room. You know, the vibe. Well, there was yeah. no vibe. Yeah. You're speaking <laughs> and, to a camera and, and me sitting over on one side far yeah, in the background. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I asked you to come <laughs> along just for some... Uh, but that, you know, th- there was a few people there. And, and even this Sunday, there's going to be hardly anyone because, we, you know, uh, fortunately we've got a big space to work with and and so just, you know, a couple of people on cameras and pretty yeah. much no one yeah. in, in the space. So I'm not invited up this Sunday to go. No, you're not. Uh, <laughs> no one's invited. <laughs> But you're all, you know, we are all invited to join us online. Yeah. Um, uh, as I as I did that, yes, it was a weird experience. But one of the things that I that I spoke to and that I felt very much in the week before is that I think this also exposes the the sort of undue faith that we put in mm. the social social and economic structures that we build as human beings. Mm. Uh, it, it becomes this sort of substratum that we think it, it can never be shaken. And it's interesting because from a historical pers- perspective, uh, every, you know, pretty much every people group have tended to believe, Romans believed in the Roman Empire, uh, could not have conceived that it would have fallen, yep. uh, felt that it was going to be a thousand-year mm-hmm you know, thousand-year equation, uh, that's a fairly ubiquitous feature of human beings. We need a kind of substratum level of uh, kind of foundation uh, to trust in. Now, so what we're experiencing is it's not as secure as we thought. It takes, you know, a relatively, uh, as far as diseases go, they're much worse than this. Yes. but we have, I mean, I think I don't want to underplay uh, how bad this is. But it's given us a mighty shake-up. Yeah. And and it's imaginable that we could get worse than this mm. and yet this has shaken the very foundations mm. of our society. So I think we're discovering, and this is not, I'm not saying this to be alarmist, but this has shaken the foundations of our uh, societal structures, um, what our you know, the foundations upon which we build our lives. Mm. So I think it's causing us to ask the question, well, what am I trusting in? You, you've, summed, you've summed it up. Well, one of the questions, and, and we were talking about this as we were getting ready for the episode, that people are asking me on the radio, and obviously they're talking about it to you as a pastor, is are we going to be okay? Yeah. You know, and, they, and they're asking sincerely, and I'm like, mate, I'm just, I'm a numbnut. Like, what do I know? But... You know, and, and and but it's forced me to be able to go in all sincerity. I'm like, yeah, it is going to be okay. Just depends. It depends what you mean by okay. Yeah. What what are you defining okay? Do you think everything is going to go back to the way it was? Well, maybe not. But if our our faith and our trust is in Him and His purposes, then yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, yeah, everything being okay, and this this comes back to what we put our faith in. Exactly. Um, it's quite likely that things won't be the same again. I mean, the world already changes so quickly. Mm. Uh, it is quite likely that things won't be the same. Uh, but what we know is that in all things, God's purpose is invulnerable. It's That's the right. only invulnerable thing. Yeah. And and in fact, as as we were praying um, for for this our business. Uh, partners and you know praying about a small business and you know I, I initially my prayer was just Lord help us survive 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 and then I felt really prompted to pray beyond that mm. this is not just about survival to pray into what God's purpose could be for us what could we be 
for other people during this time. Yeah. I don't want to just survive. That this is this uh, mentality that she's, I'm just going to hoard and look after me. And no, 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 hang on. That's not, that's not what we're here for. Mm-hmm. We need to be asking the question, what does this circumstance, what opportunities do, do, does this afford me to be who I need to be for other people? Mm-hmm. Because we are responsible for each other and this is an opportunity to step up that responsibility. Uh, so uh, is everything going to be okay? Well, um, uh, in terms of God's purpose, absolutely. God's, and, and this is, you know, this is the thing. Faith doesn't mean saying, oh, look, it's nothing. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Well, yeah. uh, it, you know, it, it, well, it is a big deal actually <laughs> uh, and, and things are going to change. But our faith is is that God's purpose is going to uh, is going to prevail through this. Uh, everything may fall and crumble, but the kingdom of God will not. Mm. Uh, and this brings us back to what is it? What is our preoccupation? What is the thing that we care about the most? Uh, what what is what is my life all about? Well, if if my life is just about my, you know. Uh, security and my comfort and my lifestyle, then well, that's getting a, a shake up. Yeah. But if we set our uh, priorities higher than that mm. and begin to connect with what God is doing and live in that and find joy in that, and it's like learning to transcend just survival and actually grab hold of purpose, then I think uh, I think we're going to experience something amazing. I, I am praying that God will do something in extraordinary times. I'm praying that God does something extraordinary. Okay, I want to th- I want to throw another question at you. And there's we've got so many threads here that I want to pick up and and we can talk about. Mm. Some people might be saying to you, Matt, Matt, you don't understand. I've just started this business. I've just yeah. started this educational route. My wedding is in two weeks, yeah, yeah. Matt. My this is happening, like, and I have this overwhelming sense that God wanted me to do this, or this is part yeah. of God's ordained plans, and this is what I believed. You know, some I had someone ring up and say, but I had somebody prophesy over me that this was going to happen, and this was going to happen, and this yeah. was going to happen, and their whole faith is has been rocked in yeah. in that sense. And I've I've sort of said to say, listen, you have to sort of go back to square <laughs> one here, go back to the word. And, and go from there. What would you say to people who are, are saying, hang on, my whole plans, everything that I had planned for for 2020 is now yeah. gone sideways. Help, yeah. help, help. Well, 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 look, first of all, uh, I think I do understand because I don't just live in church. Well, as I yeah. said, we depend on a small business that is, you know, it, like it, yeah. is at stake well, in, even, as much as anyone else. So, exactly. And, and actually, you know, um, in some ways, I I'm glad of that as a pastor that I'm not just that I'm not immune yeah. uh, from this, and and this has been challenging for me mm. as well. It's why I want to really avoid giving pat answers to this. Ah, oh, come on, we just need as though yeah. we just need to trust. As though, no, I, I mean, faith comes out of a bit of a struggle. It's it's a it's a struggle. It's a wrestle with God. Mm. Faith isn't just something that you either have or don't have. Mm. It's something that you cultivate by struggling with God through this. Yep. So um, I heard a heard a quote once, if you if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Yep. And um, I think the thing about life with God is always expect the unexpected. Mm. Y- you can't preempt where it's going to go and you might have expected one thing to happen but what god has for us in terms of fulfilling his purpose tends to always be better than we would imagine it's you know god's never going to give a second best yeah. but his you know god's um priority for us is not uh, our comfort or our um even our sort of day-to-day security but a more ultimate security, he, he he's wants us. He wants us to flourish and to be fruitful, mm. and to be fruitful. Well, that's a different pathway. Yeah. Sometimes we pray that God would take us to a place where we won't have to trust Him as much. Yeah. Whereas God tends us to take us to places where we are going to need to trust more. That's a great point. And this is, you know, we are 
moving into a place where we are going to have to trust more than we ever have. And, you know, in, because of that, this is security of our circumstances in our society. There have been times where I have had to rack my brain as to what am I really trusting God for? Mm. Uh, now, one realisation I had in the midst of that was if I can't, if, if, I'm, if I'm not facing any sort of impossibility, impossible situation and th- that I need to trust God for, well, I actually need to set my goals a little higher. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like yeah. seriously. Yeah. Uh, but the fact is is that there's a lot more uncertainty uh, and God's okay with that. Now, this doesn't mean that God has caused this. I just want to really make that very yes. clear. You know, the world is more chaotic than we think. It's, it's not as secure as we think. We're getting a little shake-up. We're getting a little reminder of that, and that's, uh, that's important to be reminded of. Um, this is a great lesson for yeah. the sovereignty of God yeah. as opposed to the causality of the world that that's we live right. in. So God, this isn't taking God by surprise. No. But he didn't go, I'm just going to flick this vial over yeah, that's here right. and let this out of the thing. He, this this is a man made free will choice. Yeah, that well, he that he's sovereign to know that it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever whatever's gone. On. I mean, in terms of the biblical worldview, and, and again, another point that I made uh, in in my message last Sunday is the idea that this is a and, and it's it's a, you know the idea that this is a like a judgment from oh. God is based on the fact that this is a uh, an extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Situation now, most people would say, "Well, of course, it's an extraordinary situation. We haven't faced anything." Well, yes, it is for us because we belong to a remarkably privileged elite mm-hmm. who uh, have have the resources to shield ourselves from the realities of a fallen world. Now, according to the biblical worldview, this is not some remarkable situation. This is uh, we live in a world that is a world plagued by disease and death and misfortune and chaos and and that's the biblical worldview. Mm. It's, you know, the earth is, the, the, you know, the world, creation is groaning, Paul says, uh, under the weight of of the imperfection that yeah. was brought in through the fall. Mm-hmm. Now, um, so, so we live in a fallen world. We're broken people living in a broken world. Uh, so this is our our worldview, and we are having a taste of the fact that our world is a very broken place. Mm. So, you know, this is not some extraordinary thing that, like, God is doing. However, God will work through this. Amen. Um, at least I want to say we can't say whether or not, you know, like, mm. we, in, in a sense. It's not our place to say It's that. not our place to, to say, well, this is divine judgment. for this. Because you know what? Judgment is... Is is a future reality. Yeah. That's not what God's not is not doing that yet. What He does allow is some shakeups to actually sober us up a mm. little and bring us back to what's important. And I am praying that through this, that we that we do wake up to what's important and that we focus on the only thing in the world that is a sure thing, and that's God's purpose. Mm. The the in light the other side of that coin that you just said there, Matt, that this isn't you know God's judgment, you know type of thing. It's this I've I've sort of shaken up a little bit, and it's something it's, it's a, something that I've been dwelling on for for a while now, as far as like for a few years. Yeah, looking as as how we the church live, what we really believe heaven is and what God is and what the ultimate purpose is. And I think, and I'm going to be a little bit critical here and I'm putting myself in Mm -hmm. in being criticised. I don't want to be that person who's standing outside and judging other people. Sometimes in the songs that we sing, in the things that we say is important, where we're putting our money and the things that we're saying to each other, it's almost like we're saying we are building heaven here on earth now. Mm. We're, this is yeah. we are meant we you know I've even heard songs that sort of sing that this is all about heaven with us now I'm experiencing now this is God's da, 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 all that type of stuff and a lot of times I will hear those type of things and think about those type of things and think 
that's fine for us to say yeah. since we're experiencing a lot of blessing yeah. or what could be perceived as blessing. Yeah. I don't know if people living through World War Two or people yeah. living through history could have said those same same things in the sense of if I'm looking past my circumstances that God is working in my heart and I'm experiencing that yeah. fellowship of heaven, okay, yeah. yeah. But it's sort of really shaken me up a little bit that way. Yeah, this raises a really interesting, uh, interesting point because one of the things that characterises our culture is a kind of reach or endeavour for a kind of man-made utopia. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's build heaven on earth. Now, we have technologically we have the resources uh, to at least make us feel like <laughs> we can. Now... The thing is, human nature is always going to undermine whatever we build, human nature is going to undermine that. It's not actually the, the, the main disease in the world today is not uh, a virus. It's actually a problem with human nature that God, the first thing that God wants to deal with is that. Yes. It starts with, with the heart. Now, there's an interesting uh, book, couple of books actually um, and, and that I've been reading and uh, I feel that they're very poignant. They're now, it's funny how these events lately have dated these, but they're quite influential. It's by an author, I'm not sure if you've heard of this guy, called uh, Yuval Noah Harari. Jeepers. One of them is called Sapiens and the other is called, a uh, second uh, of these books is called Homo Deus. Now, uh, Harari is uh, an atheist, he's an a- academic, and he, Sapiens is a kind of an anthropological, sociological history of the human race. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's a very interesting book. It's written uh, very much from the atheistic point of view. He's very dismissive of, uh, of theistic belief in any form. Uh, he actually holds to uh, Buddhist philosophy, which he says aligns actually with a naturalistic worldview. Mm-hmm. So overall he holds to a naturalistic. Well, everything is reduced to, uh, you know, even consciousness is reduced to chemicals in the brain. And so he, you know, he talks about the fact that society is based on, uh, our society is based on myths uh, and it can only, society has to be held together by commonly held myths. Mm-hmm. And so he talks about, you know, religious systems as, as uh, these myths, and so he he tells this story. I'll get to the point in a moment, but it's it, and and I, I'm going to address this because uh, this actually is quite an influential book. Yeah. So even if people haven't read it, you'll probably hear some of these ideas yep. uh, floating around. Um, in fact, I don't know if you heard Joachim Phoenix's speech at the. I heard about. You know, big, I heard. You heard about it. it. Yeah, yeah. It was very much based on. Wow. It was straight out of uh, Harari's book. Really, mm. it's like he just read that and and regurgitated and, it. Regurgitated that. Anyway, getting off track. But um, the interesting thing is, is that you know he talks about the stories that we tell ourselves, and and he refers to them uh, as myths. Uh, and he he discounts though the fact that what he is telling is a story. Yeah, that could be equally mythological. That the naturalistic story could could also be a myth. So that's interesting. So there's a there's a worldview at work uh, at work there in in the book, and he's so dismissive. Well, we don't need that. We you know we don't need God because we can all explain this. It's that same old thing mm. again, as though as though we introduced God at some point because we needed to explain things in the first place. Well, mm. that's not why I believe in God. No, I don't believe that's why. Uh, that's why anyone does. Mm. Um, so he he goes there, but beyond that, uh, he makes some really interesting observations about society. And one of the observations that he makes is that, particularly the modern economic system, he does the best job of explaining uh, sort of modern eco- economics. I, I've I've had a bit of a shot at trying to understand economics. Because of its historical relevance, yeah. and it's one of the most difficult and complex mm. subjects. Mm. Um, but he but he he says and summarizes it by saying that uh, our whole system is based on trust in the future. Yes. So the the, the sort of modern economic system uh, really only began once people had 
this idea of progress, and this is where I'm relating it to what you were saying mm-hmm. before, this idea of creating heaven on earth. There was this belief through the after the scientific revolution and through the Enlightenment, this belief in progress. Yeah. We are going to solve our own problems uh, and we're going to do this through the scientific method. Now, the problem with the scientific method, and this goes back to the last episode of Perspectives, mm-hmm. is that it adopts a, um, a, a notion of knowledge of scientific knowledge that I think is deeply problematic. It's deeply problematic when it... Look, it's yielded a lot of great results. Yes. But it changes the way we relate to the world around us. It's a certain kind of knowledge. And this begins with Francis Bacon in the 17th century, early 17th century, where he proposes the idea of uh, sort of subduing the earth is means scientifically, you know, we... Uh, we relate to the earth scientifically and one of Harari's points is that is that this has led us to basically dominate the world in a really destructive sort of fashion. Mm-hmm. And yet the interesting contradiction in that book is that he still holds that science is going to get us there. It's that future. It is producing this optimism about the future that makes, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, markets rise and fall based on consumer optimism. Co- optimism. Yeah. Okay. And, and this is going to be interesting in this uh, in this scenario. Yeah, uh, how that works out if if all of our economic systems are based on trust in the future. See, people gave loans and or the whole system of loans and even uh, uh, pretty much all of the economic systems are based on this idea of optimism in the future that we think that things are going to be better, mm. secure. Mm. So so we will invest in yeah. the future. Now, in Homo Deus, and I'm I, I'm not finished this one yet. He actually talks about if Homo Sapiens is where we are now, Homo Deus is where we're going, and and now, what he, de- Deus, yeah, it means God. Yeah. So we are actually going to become gods. So, and he says not in the sense of the the monotheistic theistic God, but. He his point is is that we actually can do most of the things that. In the ancient Greek world, for example, mm. the ancient Greeks believed their gods could only their gods could do. Mm. Well, we can now do most of those things. Mm. So he said, in a, he's, what he's saying in a sense is that human beings, uh, the next stage in human beings' uh, history is going to be a reach for godlike control over the world around us. Mm. We're going to become gods. You know, this is this his, this old book is based on. This is enormously uh, this influential is a, piece of talk uh, about a leap of, of faith. I yeah. mean, like there's a faith there in yeah. So so it. I mean, and he talks about you know he talks about the things that we're going to be able to do, and including the Gilgamesh project, which is this project to extend human life. Mm. Um, you know, they're saying you know within the 21st century, maybe up to 150 years. Mm. Uh, he, he, one of the points that he makes is that we have absolutely no idea where this can go because the human mind itself could be, uh, like technologically we could look at expanding even the human mind. So we actually can't imagine where we're going to be in um, 50 years, as yeah. Brian Mannix said in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, look, I mean, you know, this is this is all really interesting and, and it's, uh, uh, it's a optimism. Now, this is all written... Uh, Homer Deus has just been published recently and I was, I've actually been listening to that book. Uh, uh, I sort of half read, half listen to books, uh, you know, using Kindle and Audible, they kind of work together. So yep. uh, as I was listening to it and I was listening to it on my run, I thought, gee, isn't, as I was running up the hill, I'm thinking, isn't this, it's so interesting listening to this book now in the midst, with that kind of optimism in the midst mm-hmm. of this circumstance. Now, I think people still have a lot of optimism in science. The scientists are going to solve it. Mm-hmm. And I think they probably will. Yeah. Um, but that's the real problem with the world isn't, the main problem with the world isn't diseases and, and these sorts of natural yeah. things. The main problem in the world is actually human nature. Mm. And as I said right at the beginning, this situation has a way of bringing out both the best and the worst yes. in, in people. And crises tend to polarise people. And the Bible presents uh, a view of the future in which there will be a great polarisation. Mm. 
uh, in the you know Jesus when he talks mm. about the weeds and the wheat and the book of Revelation uh, as you go through it is this this whole uh, movement towards this ultimate polarity yeah and uh, experience says that when times of crises come there is this polarizing uh, effect that happens because. Uh, human nature is human nature and the biggest problem that we have in the world today is not the coronavirus, it's sin. It's human nature. It's the problem yeah. of sin. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, I think, I mean, some people might think, oh, you know. Come on. Come on, yeah. you know, corona, corona, corona. Mm. Yeah, I just want us to, I just want to bring a bit of perspective uh, yeah. into this because however... Um, pessimistic or optimistic, like you could be really pessimistic about this. Does this going to all societies? You know, society is going to crumble completely. Or you could be a scientific optimist mm. and think that no, we're going to get to this point where we have godlike control mm. over uh, over the world. Yeah, but all of that doesn't take into consideration that the biggest problem uh, is the problem of human nature. And we yeah. know that so far, I mean, you know, following the, the, the you know, one of the biggest technological leaps uh, was in the early 20th century. Mm. Uh, I mean, the, with us stepping into the nuclear age. Now, you know, look what that led to. That, you know, that led to, um, that led to, a scale of human suffering, the likes of which the world had never ever seen before, yeah. because we had the capability to do sorts of things mm. uh, that that we've never done before. Now, um, at the moment, we live in a time of peace, and it's not a peace based on the absence of warfare. It's based on the fact that warfare is no longer even a viable option, really. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, it's it's a different kind of peace because we literally have the capabilities now of completely. Yeah, destroying the world. Yeah. So um, we, we've seen, we've se- already encountered the problem in the 20th century of of the fact that yes, we have the ability to, uh, you know, do amazing things yeah. with science, but do we, as human beings, do we have the ability to be responsible with that no. and to do the right thing by that? No. Well. History has shown so far that, Not, that's a, yeah. that that's a precarious judgment. Yeah. Well, okay, let's take a break. You brought up history. I don't want to jump into history. We'll take a quick break on this episode of Thrive Perspectives. When we come back, we'll get into a bit of history because I think that might be able to give us a different type of perspective about what we're going through right now. It's Matt and it's DJ. We're talking all things coronavirus and we want to get historical here on Thrive Perspectives. family it's dj here and i just want to thank you so much for your support and your appreciation of this new show that we're doing thrive perspectives we really appreciate everyone who is reaching out to us and letting us know how much this new show means to them it's been a wonderful wonderful experience as we start down this new road now as this is a serious issue that we're talking about on this episode talking about our response to the coronavirus COVID-19, China flu, whatever you want to call it there. We understand that it's a serious, serious issue for a lot of people. And we understand that you might be struggling. You might be really panicking. You might not be coping with what's going on at the moment. And that's why on this week's episode over at thrivetoday.tv, if you look for the show notes, if you look for the entry for episode four of Thrive Perspectives, You'll find some links for some information. You'll find phone numbers of some resources for you to help you through this time. Now, of course, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us via the website, 
through the Facebook page, the Facebook groups, but we're not going to be as immediate as other resources that are out there. I strongly suggest that you connect with your local church at this time. It might be hard to be able to get in there and see someone in person, but pick up that phone and talk to someone who can walk you through what you might be feeling right now. I hate to think that anything that Matthew and I say on this uh, on this week's episode, if we if we come off of glib or lighter about it, that's not our hearts. We've got friends and family and loved ones who are really struggling, and I hope we can convey that sense of gravity to you on this week's episode. Thank you so much again for everybody for listening, for supporting us. We've got so much we want to continue to plan for this year. Everything sort of. Uh, a little bit strange in 2020 now. I understand that's the same for yours, uh, your plans. It's the same for our plans. But we've got so much we still want to do this year over at thrivetoday.tv. So stay tuned. Hopefully we can be there with you through this weird and strange time we're living through. Is If you're uh, being isolated at home, hopefully just physically isolated and not socially isolated from those that you love, hopefully that we can walk through this time with you. If there's anything we can do for you, please reach out to us. Have a look at those notes we've got on this week's episode. And um, yeah, we'll be praying for you. All right, it's DJ here. Let's get back into this week's episode with Matt here on Thrive Perspectives. Matthew Jacoby, DJ Payne, Thrive Perspectives, and we're talking about the Christian's response, the Christian's perspective, the worldviews that we have when we go through this pandemic we're going through. And this is the biggest one of these that we've lived through in our lifetimes. You know, uh, so in the last hundred years, there hasn't been something on this type of global scale. But I say that because I want to get I want to get historical. Because sometimes I think for us living today in 2020, our thought of what the church is mm. goes back about five minutes. <laughs> you know, goes back to last Sunday or goes back to when I got saved. Yeah. But we are part of the church is not just the believers who are mm. believing right now alive yeah. on planet <clears throat> Earth. The church travels backwards and yeah. forwards through time until God's plan is fulfilled. Yeah. The church has been around since the day of Pentecost. And historically, if you look at some historians, uh, both Christian and non-Christian, they are very vocal about what has made Christianity what it is. And they're they're looking at it without the supernatural glasses on. They would say the thing that has made Christianity the longevity that we have and the reason why it is what a movement that it is today is because of the Christians' responses during times of plagues and pandemics. That's right, yeah. And the, I mean, the classic example of this is one that I've cited a number of times before in uh, Rodney Stark's Triumph of Christianity. Mm. Now, uh, at least at the time of writing, uh, you know, Stark was not a Christian um, and he writes the book to understand how the Christian movement got to be the biggest and fastest growing faith movement in the world. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, some people might say, oh, hang on, but isn't Christianity in decline? Well, no. On, on uh, Well, and again, Stark uh, speaks about this. That's a misreading of statistics yes. where we see, uh, you know, people that tick the box that said Christian, that has gone down. But Stark says that that just really measures Christendom, not Christian Christianity. Really important distinction. Yes. Uh, like a nominal yep. kind of Christianity. And he says wherever in societies where nominal Christianity declines, Christianity always, there's always an in, incline. Yeah. yeah. There's always an increase mm. in the potency of that expression of the Christian faith. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's to say that. So but he writes this book to explain and and he you know he has access in his subsequent book The Triumph of Faith, he has access to the really 
the best statistics from around the world, and I think he reads them well, uh, to basically show that that the evangelical Christian movement is the fastest growing uh, faith movement in the world by mm. uh, by a long stretch. Now that's mo- mainly in the eighty percent global southeast, mm-hmm. where it's still growing in the west, but it's slower. Mm-hmm. Um, now he is asking the question in that book. Where were the big leaps ahead? How did this happen? Mm-hmm. And he goes right back to the beginning. The classic story is in the early church, and it's particularly the early church period because he asked the question, how did this persecuted, beleaguered <laughs> group of Christians uh, who were persecuted by Jews and Romans and, well, pretty much everyone, mm-hmm. how did they manage not only to survive but to thrive and become the dominant faith in the Roman Empire by the 4th century. How did this happen? And he, he gives... And, and he wants to find a natural... You know, he's writing the book from a naturalistic point of view. Exactly. And he wants to find a naturalistic answer to this question. So he says, look, we, you know, we can put miracles and all of that stuff uh, aside. And one of the key things that he cites... Now, there's a number of things. I mean, for example, he talks about the... Uh, the, the way in which the church promoted women and the rights of women actually had a big effect so there was no more female infanticide. They actually saved female babies. There were a lot more females, therefore, in the church, so the birth rates went up. Uh, women were not uh, married off uh, underage. They had a choice in who they married. Uh, all, you know, th- things like that that had... And he shows how all of that has a big effect. Mm. Um, the even the countercultural equality between slaves and masters, and and it just created this countercultural environment and all of that kind of stuff. Yes. But the big example that he gives uh, to bring us to the point is during the in the mid third century, so the mid two hundreds, there was a uh, a catastrophic plague uh, that hit the Roman Empire, and normally in times of plague, people scattered, hoarded, yep. and scattered. Yep. Um, the preppers, like, yeah, 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 like yeah. what people would say. The yeah, that's job. right. Uh, I, it's look after number one. Yeah, and, I've got and, the truck loaded up. And I've if got you, that's two right. months worth of water and beans, and yes, off we go. That's right. So, so the, you know, the rich people in in the city centre. Let's take a, a city like Rome. Uh, would would get out of the cities. I mean, that was the big thing because the cities were uh, in you know disease infested places. You know, tenement buildings, narrow streets. Uh, for all of the, you know, Roman sewerage systems and baths and they still were very unhygienic in, in a number of ways. So disease spread through cities really quickly. Uh, if you had the means, you just get out uh, of the city. Now, counterculturally, during that period, the Christians were urged to stay and we have uh, letters from yeah. the, the bishops at the time saying we need to prioritise not how can I survive this, but how can I fulfil my purpose in this? Now, this is amazing in the ancient world because, in, you know, in their case, the, you know, the, their their lives, you know, were at stake and and what you actually had is is that Christians... Now, this is a different situation to what we're in and I'm yes. not applying this directly to this situation. We need no. to be very, very careful here yeah. because I think we do need to socially isolate and we do need to do all these responsible things. But, uh, but the point is, is that Christians stayed... And they became and and, and Stark uh, says that during this time, eighty percent of people who would have died actually were saved because of the Christians. Mm. Like thousands of people were kept alive because actually, uh, and I, no, the statistic is that eighty percent of people who would have survived, I should say, it previously in plagues died because of the absence of basic nursing, so water, yes. food. Because everyone spread, everyone Everyone left and abandoned their loved ones, everyone, you know. But he said this time uh, the Christians stayed and they became like these islands of mercy in these cities and they went out and they looked after the sick and, and, and he cites that. So when the next wave of persecution came, this is just now just pre uh, the uh, accession of Constantine when Mm. Christianity was legalised. Uh, the last great wave of persecution was the most severe uh, because it was stipulated that everyone should persecute Christians, yet while the military did and while the persecutions were severe under the under the army, 
yet the people themselves mm. were absolutely won over by the Christian community because of what they displayed mm. in the midst of that circumstance. Now, how does that apply to now? Great. Um, it's a complete. We're in a completely different circumstance, and a completely different. I mean, what they were dealing with back then in that first plague, you know, was probably some historians say was something like measles. So yeah. it was incredibly contagious. Yeah. Like, like measles is like ten times more contagious with yeah, what we're yeah. going through. Um, but you know, if you treat it right, you can get through yeah. it. A lot, a lot of Christians, we should say, a lot of Christians who stuck around in Rome in the church and looked after others. A lot of them died. Yeah, you know, God did save a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them got nursed through to health, yeah. but they sacrificed themselves. Now their understanding of how things were contagious yeah. is different to our understanding yeah, yeah. today. That's fine. Yeah. So, so I mean, we, and I think this is important: is that we will be part of the problem if yeah. we just dis, if we uh, yeah. walk around house to house, around and go yeah. house to house, yeah. and and start uh, spreading the disease. Yeah, the, because we ourselves end up being spreaders of the yeah. disease rather than. The, but there are ways to take examples of, yeah. and, and again, we point, we've yeah. even got you know go to, um, you know, go to the time of Martin Luther. Yeah. Which is around the time of the Black Plague, yeah. you know, after that. And even in Wittenberg where he was, him and his pregnant wife, you know, a, 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 you know, the plague rose rose up again. Yeah. Everyone fled and yeah. he's like, no, no, we here in the church are going yeah. to say, uh, you know, to, to, to minister and that type of thing. So I think the less the, the reason why I keep I want to bring up history yeah. is because I think there's lessons not lessons of sacrifice yourself and be a martyr, like go out and catch it, you know, to prove how holy you are. I think the lessons are how do we as the church really respond to our neighbourhood who is panicking and in fear and sick? How do we help help that? It looks different now than what it might have looked 500 years ago, but we can still show people that we're not not afraid of, of that, and we're you know we're serving something different. That's right. So times of crisis historically have been times when the church has really come into its own, yes, and played a really important role. And I think now it is no less the case. Mm. And so rather than panicking and looking after number one, we need to be asking the question: what What can I do that's going to help? Yeah, the people around me. Yeah, and. You know, that's got to be... How, how can I live purpose? What does it look like for me to live purposefully in this situation? Now, it doesn't look like um, disregarding the advice uh, that we're being giving... ..that yeah. we're being given about social isolation. It means, actually, no, we need to very much uh, uh, show to, that we're responsible. To, to quote a Bible verse, uh, you know, or multiple Bible passages... We obey those who have rule yeah, over yeah, us. Right. Our leaders around the world have, are saying, please respect the sick in the society, the elderly in the society, those who have vulnerable, uh, you know, conditions. Socially, yeah. socially, well, not socially, physically isolate yourself. We don't have to yeah. socially isolate ourselves. Physically isolate ourselves. Still be in contact with people via social media and everything yeah, else. Yeah. Just isolate yourself physically to stop the spread of the virus that you don't know that you have yeah. until, until look, it's full Let blown. me say this too. If you have panicked and, you know, you've hoarded up all this stuff and um, I want to say don't don't just think, oh, I'm so ashamed and, and be crippled by... Mm. Because, you know, like I, I get, you know, I totally understand. Yeah. But, like, actually this now puts you in a great position having having done that yeah. to actually look to people around you and say, hey, um, uh, I've got a stock of toilet paper here. Does anyone want so I've got a stock of tin, I've, it, yeah. you know, because... How can I help? Yeah, how can I help? So, you know, like we get it wrong, okay. Don't wallow in shame about that if you have. Yeah. Just... Uh, recognize God is forgiving. Always gives us a new new start. Yeah, we can uh, we can turn that around mm, mm. and utilize the new start that God gives us, and actually use what we have and use our situation to think about how can I be a blessing to other people. Have I got anything that uh, that could benefit other people? Yeah, that's the way to think in the midst of this. I, I, I love yeah. that. Well, uh, uh, 
one as as we as we wrap up this episode, as we sort of shift gears, you know, down as we as we wrap up this this episode, I want to throw to you, and this is where I might be putting on my layman hat yeah. a little bit more than. You know, and I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, for the sake of the episode, I'll, I'll mock you a little bit here. Yeah. You're the paid church professional, yeah. church boy, yeah. and I'm and I'm just the <laughs> layman. You know, type of thing. Uh, I have a feeling. I've got a feeling in my bones um, about this that maybe God is going to really do something beautiful in our churches. Mm by smashing the church system up that we have gotten incredibly comfortable in. Yeah, well, it, it, is, being, it is being dismantled. Uh, again, you know, I think God's doing the dismantling, but, but God's okay mm. with that. Yeah. And, and I, that actually is exactly the way that I've been praying. Like, mm. you know, that this shake-up actually shakes us so that we come out the other side in better shape. Mm. I... I'm praying, again, as I said before, we're experiencing something extraordinary in our world. I'm praying that God would do something extraordinary Mm. in and through his church because history has shown that extraordinary times are often times when God does do extraordinary things. Mm. But it also takes for us to choose an extraordinary response in the midst of this as well. And 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 and, I, and Matt, that's the point that I want you to. I, I really want us to is to you know double down on here, yeah. because there's so many different Christian responses right now, and I don't want to knock any of them. I I I've got to be really careful because I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings along the way here. I've seen people, and again, I deal in Christian media. I've seen people come out and say. We're claiming this verse, we're claiming this promise that God will give us no disease, that within God there is no disease within God. I've, I've, you know, we're coming against and praying against the coronavirus. We're praying against Satan, blah, blah, blah. Now, this is what I'm hearing in Christian media. I am very gently, when I can, say to people, let's play this out. I understand your heart. Let's play this out. You're a Christian broadcaster. Someone listens to you praying like this or saying these type of things or claiming this verse yeah. and they've just tested pos- po- you know, positive. They feel fine but yeah. they've got all the things and their children have got coronavirus. Are they now cursed from God? Is God now far removed from them? Because you're saying that within God there's no disease and yeah. Satan is this coronavirus and... And so yeah. is this person and, – and people – I can see people. I'm trying – I'm being facetious, of course, yeah, yeah. because I really do not like that worldview. So my point in this is I think to build on what you like, what you just said, the church's response – and I've seen prayer vigils and, and prayer – don't get me wrong, prayer is important. Mm. Let's everybody – Stop what we're doing at this time Absolutely, at night. We yeah. You know, at, uh, you know, and again, it's all good. At nineteen minutes past this, because it's the COVID nineteen, we're going to pray for nineteen minutes, and I'm just like gritting my teeth through it all. But I want to say to the people who are organising all this stuff is to say, "How's your neighbour? You know, Jan next door. You know yeah, that old yeah. lady whose husband died last yeah. year. How's she doing?" Yeah. How's Jeff, you know, two doors yeah. down, who's, who's wife? And, and, and that's right. You know? And those things aren't mutually exclusive. Like I do know, all of those I things know, and pray. And, you know, God has a wonderful way of filtering our prayers. And, and you know, <laughs> oh, there's lots of filtering that goes Mate, on before God. We, you can pray in one way and, and you know, God might. <laughs> Trust me. Okay. The prayers that I pray, God gonna, filters many Yeah, many I'm sure God listens to my prayers and says, well, I'm going yeah. to. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm going to hear the prayer that you should have prayed right now. Uh, yeah. And again, I'm being, I, I know I'm, I don't want to sound yeah, like yeah. I'm being judgmental. No, no, it's but a good point. It's a good point that you bring up. And, and, um, and, and I think this is where we come back to the Christian worldview is that we don't live in heaven. We, we, have, a, we have a taste of heaven in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who, uh, who brings hope into our hearts. Amen. And, you know, Paul... In, in Romans chapter 5 talks about, you know, we rejoice in the hope of glory and it's through this hope that we're saved. Hope is really important. Now, hope depends on the fact that we're longing for something that we don't have yet. Mm. And we're, we're, what we're waiting for is uh, a new heavens and a new earth Amen. and resurrected bodies. And, and so, so our, if, even if we, 
even if God does, and I believe that God does do remarkable acts of healing in this life, but even if God does that, you're not fully healed until your body is resurrected in the new heavens and a new earth. Amen. So, so I think we need to be careful with claiming uh, perfect healing here and now because it's just uh, discordant with the Christian worldview because we're not yet in a new heavens and a new earth. Mm. I still think we should pray. We, of course we should pray yeah. for God to heal and, yes. uh, and and we should, you know, take hold of God in faith in these things. Now that means that we trust that God's, you know, faith is not just us believing that we're going to get what we want. Mm. Faith is believing that God is always going to get what he wants. Mm. So that's what we take hold of, of God for. Now, you know, in the New Testament, you know, Paul says to the Galatians, you know, I, uh, to paraphrase, it's like he recognised that he ended up with them providentially because he was ill, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, God, it's like through Paul's illness, this is a guy that healed other people and yet he was looked after by the Galatians and he congratulates, you know, he, he is very thankful that they looked after him Um. Uh, so, you know, there's there's the great apostle who healed so many, recognizing that disease is a fact of life in the world that we live in, broken world. We're broken people. Mm. So, uh, I think we need to recognize that in the midst of our prayers, and yet we absolutely uh, should be going to the place of prayer. But let's always. Remember, faith has to be based on something. It isn't just based on wishful thinking. It's not just assuming that I'm going to get all of the things that I wish for. Faith is faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. Okay, Amen. And the Word of God is the revelation of who God is and God's purpose. Mm. So we can trust in who God is and we can trust in what God has said he would do. Mm. Okay, mm. So, um, and that means trusting in the unfolding of God's purpose. Mm. Now... Uh, we find ourselves in the same boat as everyone else. We suffer from the things that other people suffer from because we're meant to be in the same boat because God wants to save the boat and it's our job to be, uh, we, we play a crucial part in that. So uh, let's make sure that our prayers are focusing on, like step up to God's purpose. Okay, let's get exegetical and I'm going to throw you a softball here to finish off, okay. all right? I hope Let's, it's a soft one. It's a soft, <laughs> softball for you. You're going you're gonna to relish in this. You're going to love this. I've never seen so many psalms quoted in all my life mm. than over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And, and, and the Bible nerd in me, the lover of God's word, yeah. rejoices yeah. that people are finding the psalms. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're yeah. finding solace yeah. in this book. And there is a reason why the church is like, oh, let me run to the psalms and take solace in this. Yeah. But let's... Be correct in their handling yep. of some of these promises. I give you one. The most <clears throat> quoted one that I've I've heard is yep. Psalm ninety one, yep. because it says, you know, that though the plague will stalk us in darkness, so pestilence yep. is around us and disease is around us, we won't fall. It goes on to say, you know, uh, you know, we'll see the punishment of the wicked because you've made the Lord my refuge, the Most High, the dwelling my dwelling place. No harm will come to you, no plague will come near your tent, for He will give His angels orders concerning over you mm. to protect you. They will support you. And it goes on, you know, you can do this, you can do that, you can do all these crazy stuff, but you're going to be protected. Because he he, he is lovingly devoted mm. to me. I will deliver him. I'll protect him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honour. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. Yep. And I go, I love the fact that people yep. are in the Psalms. I, and I've had to say to a couple of people, do you, what happens if your house or your tent does get the plague in the, in, in the yeah, vernacular yeah, yeah, of yeah, today? Yeah, yeah. Are you, what are you putting your trust in here? Well, yeah, I've I've heard in a number of cases I've heard because one of the most uh, popular of the Sons of Korah is our adaptation of that yeah. uh, of that psalm, and I think it's a beautiful psalm, mm. and I do think it's poignant. Um, it's it's important, and but it's not a immunity ticket from uh, going through the hardships that are common. To humanity, and and can I, and can as I the writer of Psalm seventy three says, yeah, uh, it's not it's not an immunity ticket, and I'll 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 tell you why. 
Uh, first of all, a couple of things uh, about that psalm. The psalm is descri- the way that the plagues. It's cl- like many psalms picks up on Exodus terminology. Mm-hmm. Now, in Thrive Deeper, we're going through Exodus, so this is uh, matches up uh, well. It's using Exodus terminology. Mm-hmm. Now, Exodus was this extraordinary event, a prefigurement of God's judgment, final judgment on the world, mm. uh, and and the. What happens in the book of Exodus is that the plagues, um, at least at one point we we read that the plagues come upon Egypt, but the people in the land of Goshen, the people of Israel, are protected from that. That's the imagery of Psalm of, of Psalm ninety one. Mm. Now, so so the symbols there are symbols of. Uh, given that connection as symbols of judgment. It's saying mm-hmm. that when judgment comes, it's not going to come near you. Okay. You, you are, you know, because you are God's people, because you are in Exodus terminology, because the blood of the lamb is over your door doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the symbolism there is that we are covered by Christ. Therefore you will not be judged. Mm-hmm. Now that's, that's one perspective uh, about this. Um, that the other perspective is that we need to understand what is meant by disaster. And it says that no disaster will come near your near your home mm. in in the NIV, um, uh, or uh, however you want to yes. however you want to translate that. Now, we we need to recognise uh, that again, God's purpose is the main thing at stake always. So I I think what the psalm is saying is that no matter what happens to you, God's purpose, because our life really is in God's purpose. So this isn't this isn't not saying that nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. This psalm is saying that no matter what happens to you, God's purpose is going to be realized in the midst of it. Because you look at the other psalms, and how many of the other psalms say, you know, I'm racked with illness, and I'm, you know, yeah. it's like yeah. it's, it happens throughout the psalms. Yes. So, so clearly, he's not saying that nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. Otherwise, that renders sixty percent of the psalms obsolete. <laughs> exactly. Of the other psalms, right? Yeah, so, yeah. the context of the book of Psalms, I think, wipes out that that idea. What he's saying is that uh, that whatever happens. That it's not going to that God's purpose is going to endure. You are you are not condemned. Uh, the purpose that God is going to fulfil in and through you mm. is going to be realised uh, in your life. Mm. I love it. I love yep. it because it's showing us yet again. If we are living like this is our heaven on earth now, yeah, then we read it the wrong way. But if we're reading yeah. that we're not. We're we're citizens of a future place. Yeah. Then we read it in a different way. And the other thing I was really Matt, you're probably going to be upset with me with that with this one. But a friend of mine quoted me that verse literally yesterday, Psalm 91. Yeah. I was talking about it, and I said, I know of another. I know of another story where Psalm 91 was misquoted and was taken out of out of context. Yeah. And they were like, really? Because I was sort of having a go that they were yeah, doing yeah. it. I said, yeah, man, Satan used Psalm 91 yeah, on, Je- right. on yeah, Jesus yeah, yeah. to misquote it and, and to take like, yeah. you know. He will command again, his angels concerning and they will lift you up in their hands. And Jesus was so like. jump off. That's You'll not, be right. Yeah. yeah. That's not what. Which which is, you know, so so I think if, if as Christians we're saying, oh, we'll be fine. We won't. We'll just go out and disregard all yeah. advice. And, well, that is really the same kind of ballpark. It's the same attitude. As, you know, I can jump off. I can, I can, I, I can, can jump off and, and yeah. claim this. I can take, like you said, I love that phrase that you said, this is my immunity ticket. Yeah. I'll take this word of word, word from the Lord and I will use this as a moment. We need to be a little bit, in, in these times, what I'm trying to tell you is in these times, be a little bit more thoughtful yeah. in, in some of the things that you might reshare on social media, that yeah. you might quote to others, that you might claim for yourself. Is uh, Does that mean we stay away from these verses? No, of course not. No. We, th- these are our verses oh, to pray. very poignant. Yeah. yeah we, like I've been praying through the, these Psalms and really pouring out my heart with God. Do I then walk walk around believing that people are judged or wicked if they're yeah. – no, of course not. So yeah. I just – let me. Let me let me f- finish with with this because I, yeah. 
and and I think this too is poignant. I was talking with my daughter, my youngest daughter, Ivy, and who's picked up the news. We're actually encouraging our kids not to be in the room now when the news uh, is on. Not because you know, I mean, it's not not to. We don't even have the news on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. because again, you know, their ability to process that mm. we anyway look. But she was really worried, and I went for a walk with her, and you know, she's dad. What's going to happen? And and I said to her, I said, listen, Ivy, this is, you know, you have been brought up in a very, very fortunate time, you know. But I said, the world is, you know, lots of bad things happen in the world, and I said, but the wonderful thing is, is that you can know that because you walk with God, mm. that that the things that God has planned for you, I said God has planned wonderful things yeah. for your life. He has a wonderful purpose for you. And you are going to you are going to see some you're going to have a great life if you walk in that. And I said, the wonderful thing is, I said to her, that you can know that whatever happens, I said, I don't know what's going to happen. Because she's saying, saying, is it is everything going to be right? I said, Ivy, I I don't know. I think things are going to be different. Mm-hmm. I said, but the thing is, God's already planned your future. He's already planned your future. And he's already planned his purpose for you. And that is completely secure. God already knew that this was going to happen. Mm. And he already took that into account when he made those plans for you. And I just underscored the fact the plans that he has for you are wonderful, wonderful plans. I said, you can be excited about that, girl. You can be excited about that. And I said, What's happening now is not going to change that in the least. And I looked over and I saw the smile on her face, this child with this beautiful childlike faith. Mm -hmm. It was like, well, I saw in her smile her saying, well, that's enough for me. Mm. And I think we need to exercise that same childlike faith. God has a wonderful, wonderful purpose for us. Uh, God is the God of tomorrow. He's in tomorrow. God is not bound by time. He's already there. He's created the pathway ahead. All we've got to do is walk faithfully in it. We don't know what's going to happen. But what we do need to do is exactly what God taught his people to do when he was leading them out of the exodus, through the sea, into the desert. He was constantly saying, just trust me and do the right thing. You focus on your purpose and doing the right thing and I'll take care of the rest. And I think there is no time when that is a more poignant message than today. listening to Thrive Perspectives, we want to hear from you. So send us your big questions and ideas. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, download other shows, see all of our resources and much, much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visiting the website, ratethispodcast.com slash Thrive Perspectives really helps us reach more people. So head to ratethispodcast.com slash Thrive Perspectives. We hope that these shows will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective and thrive. was another DJP.FM production.